Alrighty, and welcome to those watching online as well. Uh, if you're watching on the YouTube or listening on the podcast, make sure you reach out to us if we can help you in any way. Cameron this morning is going to uh, bring us our Bible reading from Mark chapter 1, 35, 45. Thanks, Cam. Okay, before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. Later, Simon and the others went out to find him. When they found him, they said, everyone is looking for you. But Jesus replied, we must go on to other towns as well, and I will preach to them too. That is why I came. So he traveled throughout the region of Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons. A man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. If you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean, he said. Moved with compassion, Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said. Be healed. Instantly, the leprosy disappeared and the man was healed. Then Jesus sent him on his way with a stern warning. Don't tell anyone about this. Instead, go to the priest and let him examine you. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. But the man went and spread the word, proclaiming to everyone what had happened. As a result, large crowds soon surrounded Jesus, and he couldn't publicly enter a town anywhere. He had to stay out in the secluded places, but people from everywhere kept coming to him. This is the word of the Lord. (laughs) It's a privilege to be able to share from the scriptures this morning. And uh, welcome, especially if you're visiting here this morning or, as I said, watching online as well or listening on the podcast, which is now an Apple podcast, by the way. Uh, let's pray and then we'll get into the, the uh, message for today. Father, thank you so much for your word that we have just read. It's, even though we don't recognize it sometimes, such a privilege to be able to be so easily able to access the Bible And uh, we're just so thankful, Father, that you speak to us through these words, that your Holy Spirit is ministering among us and to us even now as we sit in this room or uh, listen to this um, reflection on this message. We pray, Lord, that you would be the one who changes our hearts, that, that shapes our hearts in this world that is full of darkness. We pray your light would shine through. We want to be open to you this morning, Holy Spirit. And so we just offer ourselves as living sacrifices before you this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, what I am really enjoying and rediscovering as I study the Gospel of Mark passage by passage uh, through this year, is uh, that there is so much, so much in here that uh, is, is so valuable and that we may so easily miss if we, we sort of just sit down and then read it and then move on too quickly. Um, now, I, I think that reading the Bible in extended sittings um, as one big connected story, it is really valuable, it is really important, but just the, the goal of meditating on the Scriptures uh, piece by piece, 
Even word by word sometimes, passage by passage, is also so valuable. And uh, it's, it's that meditation and study in it, it's almost like digesting it as spiritual food. And um, that is nourishing for spiritual growth. I really want to encourage you not to just uh, to, to come along on Sundays and, and, and get what you might call secondhand pre-digested spiritual food from me. That's kind of what I've done is sit here and digested and processed this passage a little bit and then, oh, I don't want to call it regurgitated, but sometimes it's a bit like that. I, I pray that we would all be digging into this uh, spiritual food, this text for ourselves. Um, and I'd love to sit down with you if, if, if it's what you would need to, to point you to resources and, and, and guidance on how to do that. There's so much underneath the surface that I know you'd be blessed by. So today's passages are really no exception. There's this wealth of wisdom and revelation uh, about the character and the motivation and the mission of Jesus and how it might shape our lives uh, as his followers. So we'll just try and unpack a little of what Mark's getting at today, verse by verse, make some observations and then offer some reflection. The passages that we covered last week uh, involved Jesus preaching and casting out a demon in the synagogue, and then it was followed by a miraculous healing of a person, Simon Andrew's mother-in-law. And I do apologise to all the mother-in-laws for my joke last week. I love you, Mama Lou, if you're watching online from South Carolina. Uh, What we've read today involves all the same, or the, the same two elements. Uh, Mark explains that Jesus went through the region preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons, and then in a totally different place, there's a, a healing of someone with a disease. Uh, but what's highlighted this time in these two settings is, in, uh, in numerous ways, is Jesus' desire for privacy and for even seclusion and, and to withdrawal to not let his uh, to withdraw, to not let his popularity overtake his mission. So, without spending too much time revisiting the passage again, basically he wants to be isolated for prayer. He, he strongly requests that his miraculous teaching be kept a secret, and he actually sought seclusion out of necessity as well to be able to get away and get it from people. The disciples understandably had different ideas. Now, can you imagine? being one of four ordinary, there's four of them at the moment, uh, four ordinary blokes, they're fishermen by trade, and this essentially super rabbi asks you to be his disciple, when normally, I mean, you, if you were going to be a disciple of a rabbi, you would have to train and study and prepare and then seek out a rabbi for yourself. And in their situation, this amazing man, Jesus, they quickly realise how amazing he is. He has chosen them. And within 24 hours, there are crowds of people at your door because he is nothing less than a miracle worker. Can you imagine that, if that was you? I mean, they are probably going, wow, this is amazing. Yesterday, we were on a boat. And this morning, we only got to bed at like 2 a.m. because of all the healings and everything. And already the sun's not even up. There's a line of people at our door. Now, I don't know about you, but I think that if I'm one of the disciples right now in this situation, I'm feeling pretty special. Like, I'm kind of important right now, hanging with Jesus. We've got to milk this. Problem is... Where's Jesus? He's gone. Come on, there's all these people at the door, Jesus, we need you. And 
we read verses 35, 39 that uh, he's just... He's just gone, and they go out, and they, their very natural assumption is that this is this guy's mission. I mean, he has got to be, he's gifted by God to do this amazing work, these miraculous healings and setting people free from demonic spirits, but he's nowhere to be seen, so they go looking for him, and they find him praying in private. They don't obviously take much notice of that. They just go, Jesus, everyone's looking for you. What's the deal? Come on. And Jesus says, yeah, actually, we're going to move on. Now, it might be understandable somewhat if Jesus, what he was really saying at this point was, no, you're just thinking too small, guys. I mean, this is just your mum's village. We've got to go and you know, do this all throughout Galilee, which he does, but he says that it's not to do all this amazing healing and miracles that has been happening. It's to go and preach to proclaim the good news in those towns. And then when he heals a man with leprosy, sort of before that next step happens, he says, shh, keep this a secret. And not like with a, please just don't tell, like quite forcefully, keep this a secret. It doesn't sound like someone who wants this massive, miraculous ministry on the stage because that wasn't his intention. It's just an assumption that his friends made. Come on, Jesus, people need you for this. Why was Jesus' time alone with with the Father so significant here? If we read the passage, it says they found him alone praying. Even after what was presumably a long an exhausting night as at Simon and Andrew's house and there's all these people showing up to watch him heal the sick and cast out demons and stuff we talked about last week. Jesus seemed to be ready and willing to stick to the purpose and the mission that God had given him to and not be pulled away by the demands of others. The significance of that is that it was clearly a result of him getting away with God, spending time with his father and I don't, I don't want to labour this point, but it's almost, I feel like, the most important thing for us to, to take from this passage this morning. Are you pulled away by the demands of other people? Are you pulled this way and that by what other people want you to do? Do you choose the direction of your life day to day, week to week, month to month, year to year? Or do other people do that for you? I know sometimes that's the, 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 the thing I get caught up in. Other people are determining what I'm doing and, and, and how I'm spending my time. But spend time with God before the sun gets up, before your kids get up maybe, and you'll find yourself more easily able to stay in his will for your life and find peace in that storm. That is the example of Jesus here. This is the example of Jesus. To be like him is to let our time with the Father direct our steps and not... Others. If nothing else, I believe this is theological justification for buying a good espresso machine. Wake up early, then wake your brain up, then pray. Oh, none of you thought that that was... That was um, I thought I'd get some amens for that. No, in all seriousness, this is, this is uh, it's something I, I think I've kind of preached quite often, not least to myself... Um, let's just encourage one another to, to let time alone with God be the driving force and the driving source of our lives. Spiritual breakfast every single day, not, as I mentioned, pre-digested morning tea on Sundays only. Um, that was kind of a joke. I'm, I'm, I'm just, um, bear with me, I'm still waking up this morning. 
I'm going to come back to verse 38 later, which I think is something going to be on the screen, which is where Jesus said, look, this is what I've come for. This is my purpose. Uh, let's move on, though, to the second part of what we read this morning, which is the healing of the leper. This is a fascinating story. Uh, this, this man is someone who, in that culture, would have been an outcast. He just disconnected from society, completely cut off because of this skin disease that he had, because that made you unclean, according to the Jewish law and custom of the day. And so you can't have contact with anybody because you might make them unclean. Uh, in verse 41, it's really interesting because um, some of our translations, a lot of them actually say that Jesus was moved with compassion. Now, the Greek word describing uh, Jesus' feeling here is actually more like anger. How do, you, how do you get compassion from anger? Well, there's, there's various debates scholars have about this, but I think, it's, I think it is actually great compassion that we're seeing here out of an anger at what the Jewish culture has done to this leper, this man. Despite what God has already revealed to the prophets uh, of old about how God's desire is to restore purity to people and not cast them out, this man is cut off as someone with a skin disease. See, in the Old Testament, a little bit of context, God is revealed as a holy God. And we're going to um, play a little video in a second. You can watch the whole video on uh, Bible Project. Um, but God is revealed as a holy God. And, and that means that he's essentially so pure and, and so good that the intensity of his goodness will actually destroy you if you're too close, if you can kind of get your head around that thought. It seems back to front. But basically, we as impure people can't get too close to God because he's so pure and so holy. So we have to do something about Something has to be done about that. The Bible Project guys explain the solution to this problem that we have really well. So watch this. In the Bible, the solution is that you need to become pure. So like being morally pure. Yeah, and that's easy enough to understand. But the Bible spends a lot of time talking about another kind of purity, being ritually pure, which is a state where you separate yourself from anything related to death, like touching things like diseased skin or dead bodies or even certain bodily fluids. All these make you impure. And becoming ritually impure isn't necessarily sinful. What's wrong is waltzing into God's presence when you're in an impure state. And so that's why God gave the Israelites very clear instructions for knowing when they were impure, steps to become pure, so that they could go into the temple again. So that's what the book of Leviticus is about. Right. But it doesn't stop there. This idea keeps developing. So later in the scriptures, we find this really interesting story by a prophet named Isaiah. And he has this crazy vision where he's in the temple and he's right in God's presence. He's totally terrified. Yeah, he knows the rules. He shouldn't even be in there. And he's worried about being destroyed. And then this crazy creature called a seraphim. Yeah, that is a crazy creature. <laughs> totally. So it flies over with a hot coal, and then it sears Isaiah's lips with the coal and says something really weird. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. So this burning coal somehow makes Isaiah pure. Yeah, it's remarkable because normally if you touch something impure, it transfers its impurity to you. But now here's this new idea where you have this coal, this very holy and pure object, and it touches Isaiah and it transfers its purity to him. Isaiah is not destroyed by God's holiness. He's transformed by it. I mean, the implications of this are just huge. But there's one more development. 
this time from another prophet, Ezekiel. And he has this vision where he's standing at the temple and he sees water trickling out from it. And then that water turns into a stream and then it grows into a deep river that starts flowing through the desert, leaving this trail of green trees behind it. And then it flows into the Dead Sea, making everything fresh and alive. So instead of becoming pure first and then going into the temple, here God's holiness comes out from the temple, making things pure and bringing them to life. What does it all mean? So we don't know until we meet this man, Jesus. And he claims that he's fulfilling all of these ancient visions, but in surprising new ways. So Jesus, he went around touching people who are impure, people with skin diseases, a a woman with chronic bleeding or dead people. And when he touches them, their impurity should transfer over to Jesus. But instead, Jesus' purity transfers to them and actually heals their bodies. Jesus is like that holy coal in Isaiah's vision. Right. And Jesus claimed that he was the human embodiment of God's own holiness and that he and his followers were now God's temple so that through them, God's holy presence would go out into the world and bring life and healing and hope. And so this is why Jesus described his followers as having streams of living water flowing out of them. So this, well, in the Bible, the solution... So... Do you see what's happening in in our passage today? I mean, separated from the temple and society itself, this leper, this man with a skin disease, rather than being offered healing that should flow out from the temple, he's just cut off altogether and he's, he's essentially made less than human in that society. And so maybe this is why there's an anger in Jesus' mind at the moment. You missed it, guys. You were meant to abandon. You weren't meant to abandon the sick. You were meant to offer them that healing coal, the river, the healing presence of God. So, but this is what Jesus does. And uh, and maybe his command that we read to go and abide by the ritual purity laws to this man. He says you need to go and go and do what's required of you. Uh, maybe has something to do with, with what we just watched. Go and be a testimony. It says a public testimony that you've been cleansed because that's what the ministry of the temple is supposed to bring. It, it, there's so much rich meaning here, as, the, Bible, as the, the video said. You know, We are the temple of the living God, individual stones put together out of which his presence, God's presence flows. There's, there's, I mean, we could... <laughs> Say so much more about that. But the healing happens and Jesus says to the guy, just don't tell anyone about this. And it's actually with quite a lot of force that Jesus says this. The word's quite strong. And it's because Jesus is adamant that he must be able to focus on his primary purpose. And miraculous healing apparently isn't it. Apparently this is not the main thing that he's here for. Neither is casting out demons. Now, we spent some time on those things last week because they accompanied Jesus preaching the good news, and therefore they had a purpose connected to the main one. But they were not the main purpose, the main thing. And we see that the man, after he's been healed, he ignores Jesus. And out of his excitement, he goes to tell everyone what happened. And it's, it's a little similar to the, maybe the trap that we can fall into sometimes as the church. We make things that are secondary more important than they're meant to be. 
We would say things like, have you ever heard this one? Uh, the church exists just to love people. Yeah, yeah, it does exist to love people. But to what end? Is it to love them until we inevitably fail them so then they walk away from God? Or is it that we are to love others towards Jesus, who is perfect love and will never fail them, who can never let them down? What is the motivation behind our love? What is it for? Or maybe this one, the church just exists to worship God. Maybe. Or does the church exist to glorify God in all things, in our worship, our love, and our service? What do we exist for? What is the main thing? Whatever we believe we're here to do, whether, it's going to make, whether we think it's going to make a difference or not, if it's not connected back to the missio day, the mission of God... God's intention and mission to reconcile humanity and the whole earth to himself, it may or may not be helpful. And we can have the best intentions like the leper who go, well, I'm going to tell everyone, despite the fact that Jesus just said, keep it quiet. And so maybe we can have counterproductive results sometimes. So the guidance here is, is, is really significant. Jesus tries to escape the popularity that will ultimately hinder his mission. It's interesting that popularity hinders his mission. It, it, it gets in this attention of the, the, the guys who will eventually kill him. But let's not be like the leper who's healed by Jesus and then out of enthusiasm proceeds not to listen to his instruction to us. So th- there's a couple of things I take from this passage. But what is that instruction? Okay, let's not get carried away and then not follow the clear instruction of Jesus. What is that? What is the main thing? I've been talking about the mission of Jesus, the purpose he had in his ministry, with the underlying assumption over the previous weeks that we carry that mission forward, that we continue it on, that we're his apprentices, that we're his disciples, we are to become more and more like him. So our mission as a church is to live and love like Jesus. You may have found comfort today in the fact that casting out demons and healing the sick is not at the very, very centre of the mission. So therefore, we can take a little breather and go, Phew, thank goodness for that. But I do urge us to, to, to take on that challenge of carrying the authority of Jesus. But what if that is secondary, is the central mission and purpose? And do we carry it on or is it just belong to Jesus? Verse, verse 38 says this. We read it earlier. It provides one of the clearest declarations of this purpose, of his purpose. We must go to other towns as well, and I will preach to them too. That is why I came. Very, very clear. That is why I came, to go and to proclaim the good news, to preach the gospel. And to preach doesn't mean a pastor in the pulpit giving a weekly talk from the Bible. That's not the whole definition of preaching. This is about simple declaring, sharing, telling, proclaiming the good news, the evangelion, the gospel, that the time has come and the kingdom of God has come near, from verse 14 and 15. The time has come, the kingdom of God has come near, Jesus said. And Mark introduces the whole of of, of the the gospel account with this is the good news about Jesus the Messiah. The whole thing, the whole uh, writing that we are studying this year is about how this good news story is told and shown over and over and over and over again in every act and every word of Jesus' life and ministry. 
Every encounter, every story, he's come to live the good news. He's come to tell, proclaim the good news. That's his purpose. And he says so. He said, this, that is why I came. Very, very clear. Which is why I was astounded this week when I discovered something that seems to question this a little. I've been reading this commentary, which is kind of a big, thick, boring book full of explanation about Greek words and cultural context and stuff. Um, it's very fascinating, but hard sometimes to get through. And the author said this. Um, I've just copy-pasted straight from the thing, so don't worry about the Greek words. Uh, this is to, to preach, picks up the opening description of Jesus' mission. As I said, those were those verses at the very beginning. Time has come, the kingdom of heaven has come near. Uh, this... Uh, 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 <laughs> The time has come, the kingdom of heaven has come here, this is the good news. And that this good news needs to be heard and the people summoned to respond as widely as possible. This is the specific purpose of Jesus' mission. This is why I have come, is what that says. In fact, Jesus himself will not again be recorded as preaching, that's what that word says, after verse 39, which is where we are now. This will be the role, rather, of his supporters and particularly of the 12 disciples, while Jesus will be portrayed more often as Didasco, and that's teacher. But here at the beginning of the mission, it is Jesus himself who acts as herald. Now, what was all that about? What's so interesting and, 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 and astounding about that, Luke? Jesus has just said to preach. That is why I have come. And then for the rest of Mark's gospel... There is no mention of him preaching, apparently. How does that match up? This is why I've come, to preach. And then Mark says, he doesn't do it. Because this will be the role, rather, of his supporters, and particularly of the twelve, while Jesus will be portrayed more often as teaching. Now, you can make of this what, what you will, but I, I just think this is so incredibly profound. Jesus came, yes, to preach the good news. He's not saying he's not doing that and he doesn't do that. But ultimately, what Jesus did is he equipped others to share that main thing with him. When we talk about carrying on the mission of Jesus, it's not just because, like, oh, Jesus isn't around anymore, somebody better pick it up. It's, it's that it was his intention and his strategy all along not to form this band of followers so they could kind of be like his roadies, set up the stage for him, okay, Jesus, you preach. He, he trained up apprentices. And now we get this front row view of of his ministry, thanks to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So we can go, not, oh, wow, Jesus was so amazing, although he is, but so we can say, how do I carry this on? What, what is my, how do I continue to carry on the main thing, the mission of Jesus, to preach the good news, to share the gospel? How do we carry that mission on? And today we've already answered some of that. With just simple things like don't go and point to the secondary stuff out of enthusiasm and leave the main instruction of Jesus behind. Be, be directed in your intentions and your heart by time with God so you're not pulled by other people. But ultimately, the like Jesus guidance here, that's, all, that's our focus here, to be like Jesus. Do focus on the main thing. 
to preach the good news. We're going to come back to, in, in, in future weeks, so I don't have time today, but come back to different approaches to sharing the good news because ultimately we all do it differently. We are all wired to do it differently. There's all different kinds of examples of how it's done in the Gospels and there's guidance in that for us. But I want to leave us today with one final thought and that is that I think we need, and I'm preaching to myself as much as anything here, I think we need to resist the temptation to take the place of Jesus as according to the, the, the thing from the commentary, didaskone instead of kairusone, teacher instead of preacher. If we try to do this kind of, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show other Christians how to do this while skipping over the main thing. Maybe we're trying to be Jesus and not be like him. This is my tendency. I like to give way more time to study the Bible and prepare these sermons and help the ministries happen over here and then develop teams and hopefully and, and, and teach others to, to preach the gospel because that's what Jesus did, right? But that, that actually comes secondary. It comes second to the central task and simple calling of proclaiming the good news, sharing the good news of Jesus. And I want to give you permission in fact, I want to ask you to ask me, how are you going sharing the good news, Luke? How are you going sharing your faith? Thanks for the sermon. I appreciate the, the church stuff that's happening in the church, but how are, you, how are you doing with the main job? I, I, I can't actually recall anyone asking me that recently. And, and I'm guessing that most of you are probably the same. No one's really asked you, you're like, who are you sharing your faith with? Who are you telling about good news? And, and I just know that I need to be asked. I know that we need to be asked. I need to be encouraged and challenged to make time for this and not try and be Jesus. Trying to equip others all the time and like, well, let's 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 get more theologically literate, but actually keeping the main thing, the main thing. And yeah, I'm I'm definitely trying. We're trying to do that. Karen and I are, are making time to try and build friendships with non-believers and, and and find those snippets of time to pray that God would bring the right people along our path that we may share the beautiful good news of Jesus. But just those simple questions, I think, who are you sharing this with? Who are you who are you, what are their names? How can I pray for them with you? Let's do that for each other. Keep them primary mission, the main thing, the good news of sharing. Let's keep that the main thing. And then maybe the teaching and the equipping others will follow after that. Let's be like Jesus. Let's let the time with the Father that we have each day direct our steps. Let's not be like the leper. Although we appreciate and, and, and cling to those times when God touches us and heals us and restores us, let's not be like the leper and let enthusiasm divert us off from the clear instruction of Jesus. And that instruction is to keep the main thing, the main thing, preach the gospel, the good news. Father, this morning we come before you as your people and we repent. We say, sorry, God, for the times when we have... Uh, spent so long focusing on the things of this world and even on the things of religion without taking the gospel that has transformed our life, 
that has given us salvation, that you have transformed us through the good news, kingdom of God coming near to us. Lord, forgive us for when we have not taken that and gotten through our insecurities and our nervousness to share that with our friends. Father, I recognise that uh, each and every one of us has a sense of fear about this because it's, uh, for most of us it's not a, an incredibly natural thing. Maybe it's because it's so long ago that you transformed our hearts and, and, and brought us into your kingdom and that our hearts have gotten a little bit stale or maybe that it's just that we're embarrassed or we're scared of the ramifications or we're scared of losing friends. Father, forgive us for those times when we have not been so bold as just to share the gospel with other people. And help us, Lord, to get through some of those insecurities and some of those barriers, uh, whether it be not feeling as if we know what it is or whether it be that we don't feel like we have something to share. Or forgive us, Lord, when we feel as if this is not good news. Because we know that this is the best news we could possibly hear. Help us to get through some of that, Lord, to process that with others and to start to pray for those who we know need to come from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Lord, may you do that work and may you use us to share the gospel, to join in Jesus with his mission. We pray this in your name. Just before we go into the the just closing the service rather than having some discussion today because that's actually a couple of weeks ago we just we sat and we said oh who can we pray for you know who, who's someone in your life I just want us to sing to close out today a reminder of the gospel this song is just so beautifully puts what the good news is what God has done in our life and maybe it's that if the music team want to come up maybe it's that you've sort of uh, forgotten this recently um, but I just pray that as we sing it you would uh, you would be reminded of the beauty of the good news. I think they've forgotten that Clayton's already here. <laughs> Rannon will be back. Why don't you stand and we'll sing this together. <laughs>